Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. I'm so excited to have the second Aspire mailbag with my good friend, Jeff Gargas, who is the COO of the Teach Better team, co-author of Teach Better, and the co-host of Teach Better Talk. He's crazy enough to come back, and we reached out to you, the listener, to ask for leadership questions on Twitter, Instagram, and Voxer. And Jeff, I don't know if you realize this, but we got like 15 questions in a couple of hours. Yeah, pretty pumped up about that. Last week was a lot of fun. We were excited about that, even the first one. And then, yeah, we got a lot today. It was great to see it going. I actually enjoyed last week. Actually, we had some questions that came in afterwards, too. So we were able to then engage on social media. So keep the questions coming. This is this is cool, man. I'm excited about this. Oh, most definitely. So we got to five different questions last week i would like to do the same this week um, we're only going to choose five of the 15 but maybe we can kind of bank these questions and come back to them at another episode since we got such a good response from the listeners if you're ready i'm going to start with the first question let's go all right so this one's from vernon wright you can find him on twitter at the right leader and his question is if you had the opportunity to revisit graduate school and design a course for future leaders what would it consist of in terms of content, relevance, and impact? Well, I've never even visited graduate school to begin with, so <laughs> revisiting it's tough. But, but I would hope that that we're moving in the direction to where grad school is less about school and more about life, mm-hmm. like the real world. There's only so much you can learn at school, at grad school, or anything. I think you you really learn and gain most of your leadership skills and your leadership voice by doing. So either by being led or leading, and that can be either good or bad. So either by leading in a good way or a bad way and learning from both, or by being led in a good way or a bad way. So mm-hmm. by working with other leaders and learning from them, they're good and bad, but then also by leading and taking those roles on yourself, I think is where you really gain that. So as far as how I would you know, redesign graduate school, I think for me personally, it would be making it more like life because yeah. I didn't even get there. So what about you? <laughs> you could probably take that one a little better, Josh. Well, I think you're right on as far as, you know, going through graduate school it was a lot of reading and texts and putting out papers and things. And it wasn't really getting in there and getting the experience. I know when I was at my last district, I was able to create a leadership cohort. And really what our design was all about was to get people out of their classroom and into campuses to really try and create an experience for them that was as similar to administration as possible. And it wasn't just for administrators. It was for like counselors and other things too. And so mm-hmm. each day kind of had a different focus and it wasn't about just reading text. It, I mean, we had a whole host of different things happening as far as people coming in and speaking and um, then asking questions. It was real interactive, gave yeah. them modules and situations that they had to like problem solve. So I think as far as like a graduate school program, I think I would probably design it the same way, just trying to get them the experience that they may yeah, never just, have. Yeah, just it can't be about all just consuming the content. Obviously, you want to consume it. There's a lot of theories and ideas and, you know, best practices and, and understanding how people work and things of that nature that you're going to get from that content. But you really get into that when you get into the real world, when you get into those those situations where you have to lead and you have to make decisions that are going to come and turn out positively or negatively. And then you learn from each one of those and you learn from, you know, some of the, I, I think some of the best things that I've learned as far as leadership is actually from those who have led me in the past. Mm-hmm. Even when I was maybe in a leadership role, but then being led by someone else too, where I, where I'm like, wow, wow, like I really love how he does that or how she does that or how they don't do that or I think they should be and that's just where you really gain I think a lot of that yeah good question it was a great question let's see the second question is from our good friend Sarah Johnson 
Yeah, Sarah. <laughs> you can find her on Twitter at Sarah S. A. Johnson. And her question's short and simple. As a leader, how do you build trust with your team and create buy-in for your vision? Speak your truth. Give trust first. And then I think being blunt up front, being transparent always, and then being, I think a big piece is being willing to high-five them on their way out. So mm-hmm. like, I think it's an important thing for if you're trying to take people with you on your vision, you've got to be very upfront about that. Be transparent, be, be you, be truthful, but then be willing to understand that not everyone wants to go where you're going. And that's fine. High-five them, give them great reviews, and help them to find where they need to go. I think a big thing with me is to find people that you want to go with you and not people, not the people that you need in order to get there. In the sense of the people that you need, then they become a requirement. They become something you have to have there versus something that you want there. And I think that's a really big piece and something we've talked a lot about as, as our brand has grown and people, so we have a lot of people that, that maybe want to be a part of something that we're doing or, or, or ask about or just kind of inquire about it. And, and I've been saying it a lot lately is like, I tell my team all the time, I'm like, I don't need you. I want you. I want you here with me. I want to do this thing with you. There are a lot of amazing other people out there that can do different things, right? We can build a lot of different teams, but you want to find that team and build that group that you want to be with. So I think in a school setting, obviously, you're you're trying to, you you don't always necessarily have quite as much leeway to get who you want versus filling the positions you need. But I think being very upfront and very transparent about where what your vision is for, whether it's your company, whether it's your school, whether it's your, your solo practice, whatever it is, and find those people that you want to be with you and, and work into, to build that team that is the right team and the right fit for you that want to go there, that see where you want to go. Yeah, and I would say trust is earned. You know, going to multiple campuses, being a new person, you really have to show that you're a person or a leader to be trusted. And so that's mm-hmm. definitely, it's not about title, it's about your actions. And I think those yes. actions are going to prove if you are trustworthy and that people can believe in you and, and see the results. And then I think that comes in with the, the buy-in piece because you can get up there yeah. and do your sales pitch and, hey, follow me. But if they don't see you in the front mm-hmm. line doing the work and doing the you know the dirty work too, they're not going to really want to follow you. So I would say with yeah. that, trust is definitely earned. Definitely. Let's see. If you're ready, we can go to question number three. Let's keep it going, man. Let's go. Pumping them out. All right. So this one is from Tim Riley at Tim, Tim yeah. L. Riley on Twitter. His question is, is it possible for a teacher candidate to be overeducated and too expensive? Absolutely, 1,000%. (laughs) It's the truth. It can be. Like, overeducated, maybe, maybe not. I don't don't really necessarily believe in overeducated or overqualified. I think if someone says that, typically that's just because they don't want to pay you what you're asking for. They don't feel that you're worth that, at least to them. I got told something really, really young by one of my uh, mentors. He said, you are being paid exactly what you're worth right now to whoever's paying you. Mm-hmm. So yes, you can be too expensive. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's not actually what you're worth. But to the people that you're talking to or the people that you have spoken to, if they have not agreed to that, then at this time right now, you're not worth that yet to them. And that's just the way it is. It's supply and demand. They might not need it. They might not feel that. I think we like to sort of you know, fluff each other up by saying you're worth so much more and stuff like that. Know your worth. And that's true. You should do that. But the truth is you're worth what someone is willing to pay you right now. You're worth that to them. Again, that's not you and your value as a human being or as an educator. But if you haven't found the person that thinks that you're worth whatever it is that you feel you need, then 
you have two options, really. You can either go try and find someone else <laughs> that thinks you're worth that or figure out a way to, to work into some where someone was willing to, to pay. So I don't think you can necessarily be overeducated. I think people will use that the same. It's just like saying overqualified. I think they'll use that as an excuse to not pay you what you feel you're worth. But I think, you know, it's it's a tough, it's really tough to leave a position and then potentially go to another position or another company or school or whatever and take less money or take a lesser title, quote unquote, because you feel like you're devaluing yourself. But sometimes that's just what you need to do. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, and Tim's a really good guy. Tim's very active in our master chat and stuff. So I'd love to dig more into it with him and you know where that's coming from and stuff. But it's who you're talking to and what they think. So what do you think, Josh? Is that Am I just rambling on at this point? No, not at all. I think... <laughs> I think you're right on as far as the school district too. I was thinking, you know, in a smaller district, they might not have enough to pay you is what you think you're worth versus a big district. You know, I'm thinking about like my district much bigger. So they're able to provide more to their teachers. And so that's one of the ways that they're able to one, retain their teachers, but then also get really high Mm -hmm. quality candidates is because of the pay scale. The same with principals. You know, if you're getting a principalship in a small town, you're going to get it far less as far as a salary versus a bigger district. It's yeah. unfortunate because it's the exact same job, but it is what it is. They don't have the means to, yeah. to pay for a, yeah. a larger salary. So, and when I say that, like what what you're worth and stuff, so sometimes what you're what someone thinks you're worth, quote unquote, isn't even really up to them, and isn't necessarily what they think you're worth. It's what their board thinks that that position's worth. Yep. That's the position you are trying to get, and that's just what it is. Or it's not even about worth. They might think you're worth millions, but they only have that much. So then you can absolutely be more mm-hmm. too expensive. I mean, that's absolutely true. The overeducated, I don't agree with. I think no. that's just an excuse to do it. Yeah. Um, it's a, like a nice, easy letdown. But yeah, the, the worth in, in expenses really, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough one. Cause like, and you hit a really good point there about like, it's a lot of times it depends on your, your district. So yep. depending on where you're located and where you're looking, you may get, you may only have so much to go for. And that's tough. That's, it's a tough spot trying to find the right fit for yourself. So for sure. Good question, Tim. Very good. All right. So we're going to question number four. This one's from Kyle Hamstra at Kyle Hamstra on Twitter. And let's see, his question is, we may know what good teaching looks like in action, but how would you define the core values or tenets to teach better and how administrators specifically see them during walkthroughs and observations? Good question. So I think you first have to establish what you want your classrooms to look like, what your school or your district is going to look like. I said, yes, I think I think we know what good teaching should be, but what is it really like in your schools, in your classrooms? And I think, you know, it touched on the, the core values of tenants to teach better. I mean, the core values to teach better are simple, you know, always be learning, grow every day, right? Mm-hmm. Never give up, never settle, always be better. How you see that in your classrooms, I think really depends on where your teachers are, where they want to go and where you want them to go and then what those little improvements look like. And I think the, the way to find those things is worry less about how good of a teacher they are and focus more on how good of a student they are. So teach better is all about growth. And I think better teaching in general is always about continually growing. So what you're going to see is you, you're looking for the growth of them as a, as a student of teaching. So I think it's going to be individualized for, for every teacher. And we talk about individualizing, you know, instruction and stuff for students. So it's the same thing when we're talking about our growth for, for teachers. So when you're walking through and you're doing those walkthroughs, focus more on them as a individual teacher versus what is good teaching and what's going on. I think it's, it's really important to, to know who they are, what they're trying to do and what you're trying to work on with them to, to really be able to see that with your observations. 
Josh, you do a lot of these observations. So what about you from your angle? So as far as the observations, one, I think administrators just need to be better about scheduling that in their schedule as far as getting out there and seeing it. Because if you're just getting into a classroom one time in the, in the school year, you're obviously not giving feedback to the teacher and you're also not seeing a true reflection of what they're able to do in the classroom. So I would say definitely be more intentional about getting in the classroom so you have a full piece of data to show to the teacher as far as what areas are their strengths and what areas they need to improve upon. But then also, what is it that you're collecting that data with? What are you specifically looking for? So you really need to look at how you're collecting that data. And so for myself, I've done it with technology. I've done it with certain like higher level questions, whatever it may be, where I've gone in and just fill out these different Google forms. And so I'm specifically looking for something and then I'm able to like, copy and just throw that in email on the spot and provide the feedback to those teachers. So there's so many components to observations. I mean, as an administrator, we want to be instructional leaders, but we do a really poor job of getting into classrooms, but then also giving that feedback immediately to the teachers so they they can work on those things or they're doing an awesome job and they, they need that uplifting little note to say how fantastic they're doing. How often are you getting into classrooms yourself or how often are you like, what's your goal? How often are you trying to get in? Cause you yeah. have other things to deal with. So like, I mean, yeah. but so you're trying to get in there. I mean, you know, weekly, not, not quarterly. Right. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, the longer I'm in administration, the more intentional I am about getting into classrooms and being better about that. Obviously there's things that come up that take you away from that. But that is definitely my goal is to get into multiple classrooms every single day to do those walkthroughs and just really just to get a pulse on what's going on in the school as far as, you know, in my department sure, and sure. trying to help to make sure that I'm staying on top of just what's going on at the curriculum level also. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's really important not to have, like, it's it, it's not just about, like, I'm doing specific observations for these certain things, but like you just said, like, get in there as much as possible as you constantly gauge in the, the pulse of the school and of each individual teacher and how are they feeling as much as possible so you can see those little those little pieces of growth and focusing on them. So cool. Yeah, because if you're, you're talking about a first-year teacher versus a veteran teacher, I mean, obviously the needs are there. Are Very different things, yeah. There's so many variables to, to each teacher and each walk yeah. observation. So it, like you said, it, it's just the main thing is taking a pulse on all of those different aspects. Agreed. Question number five from our good friend, Tim Cavey. Are we on five already? I think we are, yeah. <laughs> it went by fast. We may very well be uh, Teachers on Fire right now. There you go. Tim yeah, Cavey's right. podcast, got, Teachers you, on Fire. <laughs> you got a little bad dad joke there. A little <laughs> spillover from Teach Better Talk. Sorry, I've been podcasting all night. We don't know this. She's not listening, but Ray is rolling her eyes right now, Josh. Oh, just so you know, like, she can probably sense it. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Go on. You're, I'm messing this whole thing up. I'm, Tim Cavey, at Mr. Cavey. That's probably his personal one, but you can find him on Twitter. He's a great guy in Canada. And his question is actually a fun one and probably a quick one for us. What are your top three favorite books on leadership? Oh, that's I'm flipping it to you. You go first. Okay, my <laughs> first book that I read on leadership was What Great Principles Do Differently by the great Tom Whitaker. Mm, nice. Very cool. I'm going to flip it back to you. Okay, I will go back and forth. Sure, why not? One of my favorite books in, of all time, and I think it goes with leadership and just life, is The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. If you don't know that book, it's a short, fun read, and you need to read it. I literally have vinyl-like screen-printed quotes from the book all over my house. Number two, let's see. I'm going to go for a weird one. Only I say weird because it's not really like a leadership book per se, but it really changed my directory <laughs> as a leader, is um, Fair is Not Always Equal by mm. Rick Warmelly. And it's on standard-based grading and really flipped me on, on top of my head as far as all the things I was doing in my classroom that I really 
should have changed. I'm enjoying that you've gone to education and I'm, I'm going another one that's, that's business. Good. That's <laughs> This one I think actually re- is, is good for anyone. I, I agree. I think all these are great for anyone. But yeah. So this one's called Rework. Rework by Jason Fried. Uh, he's the guy who created um, actually the project management tool that we use called Basecamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the book is all about just it's reworking the way you think about how you run your organization. And I think it absolutely 1000% applies to school districts and school buildings, just rethinking the way you have always done things and why you do and why you should consider changing them. It's a really, really good read and a great audiobook. They do a really nice job with the audiobook on that one too. That's really cool. All right. So my third one, Dare to Leave. Yeah. I mean, she talks about She's, vulnerability. And that's a subject that you just don't mm-hmm. really hear that much about leadership. And if you haven't checked that one out, I would definitely recommend that one. Yeah. I think I think Brene Brown's one of the most recommended book-wise on Teach Better Talk for yeah. sure. What about third for you? So not, so my third one's probably a little bit a little bit of a curveball, but it's a book called Start Something That Matters by Blake McCoskey. Uh, if you don't know Blake McCoskey, Blake McCoskey is the founder of Tom's Shoes. Yeah. A lot of people get confused that there's not a guy named Tom. <laughs> Tom Tom's shoes stand, you know, is comes from tomorrow's shoes because when you buy one today, they give one tomorrow. Yes. But the book dives into his journey to creating that, but the sort of the journey of his business and how he's treat how he treated his team, how they focused on being a family and everything like that, like just the culture that he built within his organization, which then spilled out into the world in the form of their story, not only a story of the Tom the tomorrow shoe, but also the story of what they're building is just really, really cool. Mm-hmm. You see it now. I mean the buy one give one thing is it seems like everybody does it now. And that was his thing and his reason for doing that. And I've always loved that the Skechers did a, a, the same thing, but what they call they called it like Bob's shoes or whatever. Okay. Which was like I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a guy, a someone's name shoes from Skechers. I'm like, okay, Skechers. So you're just you literally have no idea why he did what he did, right. <laughs> which is hilarious. But it's a really good book. Uh, it was actually given to me by our very first intern hmm. um, after she or as she was getting ready to leave us for an amazing job that she has, and she she gave that to me, and it's it's a it's a really good one. So that's a fun one. All right, so I want to end with an announcement. The last time that we met for the first ever Aspire mailbag, you announced Teach Better 20, the date and location. Yes. And you just announced a keynote speaker. And so I was wondering we if did. you would be so kind to announce that here yes. on the Aspire podcast. I will. So we just announced today that Dr. Valerie Camille Jones uh, from the Ron Clark Academy is going to be coming up to hang out at Teach Better Conference 2020. October 2nd, 3rd in Akron, Ohio. Um, if you don't know Dr. Jones, she is a phenomenal educator yes. down at the Ron Clark Academy. She is a mathematics wizard. She is so much fun. She's a, like a film movie buff that just loves it and brings it in your classroom. She's a dynamic speaker. We're like, Ray is literally just like still fangirling out right now. But the <laughs> fact that, that Dr. Jones is coming, Ray has seen her several times at the Ron Clark Academy. And then she introduced her to me and I was like, Oh, she's got to come to 2020. Mm-hmm. And so we reached out. She's super awesome. She's so, been so much fun to work with so far. Really excited to bring her out. So that is that was the announcement. So we got a bunch going on for the next like 16 weeks. We'll be announcing speakers and stuff. And session proposal submissions open up on March 16th. So you'll be able to submit your proposal to come and share your story. So that's all over at teachbetterconference.com. Really appreciate you uh, sharing that. You know what? Let's do something fun. What's that? Josh, since we're talking about this and we've got this little thing going on, let's let's give your listeners 50 bucks off if they want to come to the conference. Oh, awesome. Does that work? 
Yeah, let's do it. So I'll set it up as soon as we hang up here. If you want to come to the conference, go to teachbetterconference.com. Put in the code. We'll just put in the code Aspire. Okay. So put in the code Aspire. Save 50 bucks on, on your registration to come hang out with us. We have one day and two day registrations and, you know, lunch is included. We got our breakfast. We have amazing. This past year, we had 96 sessions across two days. We're going to have more this year because we have a little more space. We're going to be doing a lot of really fun stuff and a lot of really cool. We're going to actually have, we have a pretty cool emphasis on podcasting this year, which is going to be really cool too. A lot of side uh, things to, to have fun with. So, awesome. so use code Aspire over at teachbetterconference.com and do that. And this is awesome. Yeah. I love this stuff. Yeah. This is fun. Yes, thank you so much for being here. Definitely, we'll try and do this again. To the listeners, keep sending us those questions and we'll try and knock those out. Um, For those who sent in questions and we didn't get a chance, we'll try and touch on those either through social media or through a future Aspire Mailbag episode. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you having me on. Keep sending those questions in.